Cole, how are you? Uh, are you keeping active? Uh, yeah, I have to learn a new song for Dystopian Mike called Brandy, You're a Fine Girl from Looking Glass. I don't know if you remember that song. It's, I'll just play a little <laughs> bit of it. <laughs> Here comes the guitar. <laughs> There's a girl in this harbor town and she works laying whiskey down. They say, Brandy, fetch another round. She serves them whiskey and wine. The sailors say brandy. Hi. Oh, we got we got her coming up. Oh, here she is. Psych, <laughs> Cole. Like, put that guitar away. Hello, Buju. Welcome to Native Lights Be Doppy. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. And this is the podcast where we connect with the Native community here in the state of Minnesota during the COVID-19 pandemic, providing connection in these social and physical distancing times. And today we are chatting with Stacy Hammer. Stacy Hammer works as the Director of Community Health and Registered Dietitian for the Lower Sioux Indian Community. And you might remember her voice. I had the pleasure of speaking with Stacy when she was a guest on the Minnesota Native News special program, Wellness Rising, Coming Together to Prevent and Manage Diabetes. Hello, Stacy. Hello, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? Howdy. <laughs> wearing a mask all day is not fun. Oh, man. <laughs> so when I can come in my office, I can at least, like, take that <laughs> off and... <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> so, Stacy, thank you for joining us. I'm sure you're so busy, but could you please introduce yourself for us? Sure. So, I'm Stacy Hammer. I'm a Metawakanton, or excuse me, I am from the Sean Shiaupi. I'm sorry, we've been talking so much today. <laughs> My mind is like. <laughs> so, I'm a Lower Sioux Indian community member, um, otherwise known as Sean Shiaupi, here in Mort, Minnesota one of the four Dakota tribes in Minnesota. Um, I am currently the registered dietitian, but my primary role here is director of community health at the Lower Sioux Health Care Center. Nice. So the director of community health, what does that look like right now? What does your job oh. look like right now? I bet you're, I don't even know. You can start off a day thinking that you've got it mapped out, but there's just like, my planner is just like not existent anymore <laughs> because it's just mm. like, you know, we always have like certain meetings that are every day now, but then there's ones that just mm-hmm. pop up out of nowhere. And so um, our casino shut down mm-hmm. March 18th. Mm-hmm. So that was our large, obviously our big revenue for the community. And so when that happened, um, it, we were tasked as directors within the government center, social services, um, all the departments, including our clinic to figure out how we can cut our employees by 70%. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really, really challenging in the beginning, having to be told that you need to lay off the majority of your staff and then still run the clinic. Um, how are you going to run the clinic? What is that going to look like? So in the beginning, you know, the, the fear was, how are we going to continue running the clinic? Can we, you know, as far as, you know, revenue and all of that. So we had to basically really advocate and council did use that word. Like you need to advocate for why we need to keep certain individuals on, why we need to keep the clinic open. So we really had to think about what it would look like if we've shut down our clinic here. Right now, the nearest town is Redwood Falls, and that's about eight miles mm-hmm. outside of our reservation communities, but it's only urgent care. So I we gave them the scenario, think of our Kushis, our, our, our grandparents. They're healthy, but they still need to go in and see the physician for like a med check or something like that. Do you want them going into an urgent care setting only? That's their only option. Or do you want to keep our clinic open and keep this a healthy clinic so that they still have access to that health care? 
Um, and so I think that's what really helped them kind of frame in their minds, like the need to keep this open. We are currently seeing patients from Monday through Thursday in the mornings until noon, no appointments on Fridays, but we are offering for the first time telehealth. So we had to kind of figure out what is telehealth going to look like here. Um, it's just been an ongoing every day. It's a learning curve, I think, for all of us, just at the clinic level and then also the public health level. The shift of work has become that a lot of meetings, um, we meet every morning at 9 a.m. with all the department lead heads that are, are still currently um, working in the community. We um, talk over, you know, what are we currently working on? What are, what's coming up in the next 12 to 24 hours? We've been building a lot of policies, a lot of procedures, um, working with our legal department daily, tribal council. So every role in everyone that's left here has changed immensely. Again, we're learning. And honestly, I have to say, I think when all of this is said and done, I mean, this could be, you know, a couple of years from now, I think we will in the future run differently. And I think we're seeing where our gaps are, where our needs really were, but we weren't seeing them at the time. And I think now we're definitely seeing them. Um, and so I think after this, I think we're gonna be a lot stronger. And I'm amazed at how quickly things are coming together. Food is one. Um, we've already had three. Now we're on to our fourth food distribution. Um, We've been working with Second Harvest, and we've also been working with our local food shelf, Ruby's Pantry. So providing those food shelf, pop-up food shelves in our parking lot of our casino. And those have been provided to, we always include our, our Jackpot Junction casino employees. Um, so there's over 500 of them, as well as our community member families. So we're always keeping, being mindful of our employees and their families as well. So hmm. yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> a lot to digest. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I also want to make sure to ask, since your other role is as a dietitian, Mm -hmm. um, we've talked in the past about diabetes prevention for Minnesota Native News. We know with COVID-19 that diabetes and other chronic illnesses Mm -hmm. are big risk factors and that the disease can be much worse for those with those uh, other illnesses. How do you make sure at Lower Sioux that those with diabetes diabetes and other chronic illnesses are getting what they need to stay safe and stay healthy? With those patients that I know we have here um, in our community with diabetes, I've just really, really focused on the CDC guidelines Mm -hmm. of how to keep themselves from contracting COVID. So Mm -hmm. washing your hands, socially isolating, you know, and going out with a mask, if they have a family member that could perhaps do the errands for them. I know for our elders in particular, um, we're really, really mindful of making sure that they are taken care of. We we do weekly calls with them. Mm-hmm. Currently, we have 98 elders age 16 older that we do call weekly to check in on them if there's anything that they need that they need us to deliver to them. Do they have family members that can help deliver items to them to keep them at home and keep them safe so that they aren't being exposed? So that's the piece that we're really hammering in down right now. Um, and we have community members, obviously, with diabetes that are in their 20s and 30s, too. So I think also letting them know that age isn't really, I know we hear that in the news that age is a, a big factor, but at the same time, if you are somebody with chronic disease, such as diabetes or a heart disease, things like that, they are going to be more susceptible if they contract COVID, you know, as far as their, you know, what, what it would look like for them, the outlook, the health outlook for them. So, you know, if an individual is somewhat healthy, even if this, even if they have something like diabetes, you know, if they're eating certain types of foods that are nutrient rich, um, different types of vitamins and the types of foods that have those vitamins that are immune supportive, that can be something that can definitely be beneficial. Um, sleep and stress reduction. You no, know, I, I talk about that, the need for sleep because the, the role that sleep 
good sleep has an immune function um, and stress. Obviously, when we're really stressed, that brings down our immunity. Um, and our immune system is obviously something that we want to have as strong as possible if we contract COVID. So those are things that I've, I've talked about. Hmm. Sure. So the prevention side. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like in a normal time, like these are the things I'm constantly trying to get people to do. But I think now people are a little bit more like a little more scared. So it's almost like, oh, well, I guess I should be doing that. And since they are stuck at home and they're not eating out as much, mm. you know, our, we're finding more and more people are looking out for recipes and looking for ways to eat healthier right now. Because um, A, they have time and B, they actually have more interest in it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned sleep and the importance of sleep. Are you getting sleep at this moment? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been trying to be more mindful. I think a lot of us were really fortunate we didn't get sick the first two weeks here because sure. none of us really were sleeping. We'd wake up in the night. I think a lot of us were having a lot of vivid dreams. We were having not good sleep. Like you try to get to bed. But your mind was constantly spinning um, and it would wait. You'd wake up, your mind would be spinning um, because of all the uncertainty, I think. And because of all the fear, because, again, those first few weeks, the fear of not only what's going to happen to our community, but at an individual level with our own families. And now all, you know, those of us with kids, like our kids are home now. Um, a spouse may not be working right now. Just how your own life once you go home has turned upside down. But then at work, you know, the first few weeks we were easily working 60, 70 hours a week. We were working on the weekends. We were doing conference calls with tribal council, um, trying to develop as quickly as we could because we were so fearful that we were just going to see this influx of positive cases and not be ready. Mm-hmm. But I think at this point now, we're roughly, what, six weeks in. At this point, I think we feel, a le- we never want to let our guard down, but at the same time, I think we feel like we're in a better, obviously a better place than we were a month ago. So yeah. once we start to see positive cases here, I think we feel like we have a pretty decent um, uh, plan in place. There's so many things about this virus that, again, we're constantly learning about. Um, I, I'm constantly researching things. I think, I feel like sometimes I get home and it's hard to like, like get that out of my mind and just be more focused on being at home. Yeah. And I found like my mom is one, she's, you know, She's an elder and <laughs> she's at home and she's got a lot of time on her hands. And so when I get home and she wants to talk, she wants to talk about politics. All that Trump. <laughs> she wants to talk about. I won't tell you what she really calls him, but um, <laughs> she just wants to talk about politics and how badly everything's looking in the country. And it's like, oh, but I can't talk about that right now. Can we talk about something fun? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's hard to unplug when you're home. But last weekend was the second weekend since all this happened in the last six weeks where we as a group, as staff on our Friday briefing said, unless it's an emergency, let's unplug. Let's not look at our emails. Um, Let's just be at home with our families. Let's be outside because it's beautiful. Um, We have the privilege of living in a rural community. So we we aren't in New York City where when we walk outside, you're going to be surrounded by people. We, mm-hmm. we can be out in wide open spaces and exercise um, and just be mindful of that. So I think that's been helping to us all just kind of feel a little less stressed. <laughs> I yeah. think just letting ourselves take that time. Absolutely. Such a complicated situation because it's constantly in flux. Yeah. Do you see, you know, let's say like cases are going down. Mm-hmm. Let's pretend. And we're like, yes, let's get out and get back into the community. How do we move forward? You know, how does a, maybe how does Lower Sioux 
move forward? I think for us, we're really thinking about what our new norm is going to look like. Mm-hmm. I know in my own family, my son, he's 15 and he's an incredibly sociable kid. And I'm just trying to remember myself at that age and how hard it would have been for me to be told I can't hang out with my friends. Like that's a really hard age to tell your kid, <laughs> you can't hang out with your friends. Mm-hmm. Although I do remind him like, when I was growing up, we didn't have Xbox. We didn't have a smartphone. <laughs> like, they still can be connected virtually a little bit, but mm-hmm. he really craves that one-on-one time and we're not ready for it yet. Um, but that's something that as a community we've talked about, like we've had to cancel our, our annual Wachipi, which will be, it was supposed to be in June. I mean, that's a huge gathering for us as a community. Um, you know, so having to cancel all these different things, our youth work program that um, the kids look forward to every year. So moving forward, looking at using the word postponing, being mindful of wearing masks, our elders have been wearing masks, and just knowing that we're going to probably have to do this for months. And how can we as a community still be together? Because again, I think it's hard. The hardest I think is for our elders that are home alone. And we work so hard to to get them out of the home before (laughs) with a lot of our community health work. And now we're thinking that we need to stay home. So trying to stay as connected as possible in as many creative ways that we can, um, whether that's through technology or that's simply having a cone conversation with them. And I know you've touched on it earlier, uh, but uh, one thing we like to do on Native Light Speed Up is just ask how you're doing and how your family's doing. I think we're doing well overall. I mean, we're thankfully healthy, you know, knock on wood. Um, My kids are... 13 and 15. Like I said, my son's really having a hard time. He keeps saying, every time he hears the governor say he's opening things up, like he heard the 8th, now he's hearing the 14th. Well, okay, well, on that day, then I'm having my friends over for a sleepover. It's like, no, it's not what we're doing. (laughs) Like, that's not what it means. Mm -hmm. But I think as a family at home, I, I think we've heard stories from a lot of people that as a family, I think we're closer now than we were before. I think we're, and for me, I'm still coming to work every day. So when I get home, I'm exhausted, but I do crave like that time with them where I'm not living in a COVID world for a few hours. Um, my daughter was kind of funny last night. She's like, yeah, I need my me time. I'm going to go to my room the rest of the night. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so 13 year old teenage yeah. girl says, yeah, this is too much. Um, <laughs> so I think we all just learned how to cope on our own. But um, sure. when it comes to work, I'm just so incredibly grateful. I mean, I know we've, all of us have broken down a couple times, but we have a really core group of, of health professionals here. Um, the majority of us are from the community, um, and even those that are not from the community have been here for years. And so we, we have our own little tight work family. Mm-hmm. So w- with the daily frustrations and the meetings where we're not quite seeing eye to eye with a different department or different protocols that maybe leadership wants to see us do, um, we can sit together and I guess just reflect together and, and be there for each other. So I think that's been the most helpful. I think we're all learning that, that process right now. That's, that's great. That's like a sign of maturity, you know, to be able right. to talk through those things. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're doing that in our family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so when you're talking with folks, I know you mentioned, um, people are talking about their uh, reflections or what they're learning. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some themes about what people are learning through all this? I think people are really learning that they had more than they thought and they can do with more. Because like I mentioned, you know, we're a tribe that over the years, our per cap has gone down significantly. But now when all of a sudden it's completely dropped off with like no notice, 
immediately community was working together to figure out which families were at the most need, had the most need. And um, jackpot staff, we're working with our health staff here to figure out how we can get food out here to make sure that our families were fed and taken care of. So I think that's probably one of the lessons we're learning is that while we may have our differences and we are a small community, when it comes down to it, we're all here for each other. Um, whether we maybe didn't get along with that family and now it doesn't really matter, you know, we're all we're all in this together. And I think I think we are all really honestly learning that we probably had more than we needed. And um, I think people are getting to, to the point where they're, they're turning a little bit more to their more traditional ways. We have a, our, our rec leader, actually, our recreation department director, um, Matt Pendleton, um, had started a, a sacred fire. Um, he does it for four days. He has it put up one of the teepees. And so that's an image we get to see every day when we come to work. Um, we really have been doing a lot of smudging. Um, I've never seen so much smudging happening in the workplace since this happened. Um, I think we just, I think that's that's another thing. I mean, it's, it's all, we always have the shell and we always have the sage. And when you smell it burning, you know, someone's having having a tough time. And I think that's probably one of the things that um, I think more and more people here are being a little more cognizant about. Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much for chatting with us, uh, taking the time during your busy schedule. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good way to like unload at the end of the day. Like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. You're ready to talk. That's awesome. (laughs) Great. Well, all the best to you and your family. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay. All right. (laughs) Bye, Stacey. Bye. Bye. Doing more with what we have Mm -hmm. and going back to the traditional ways. That seems to be a a consistent. I love that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm, For sure. Big thanks to Stacey Hammer for joining us today, and thank you for listening. Native Light Speedopi is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers, made possible by funding from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you'd like to help us spread the word about Native Lights, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, and every major listening app, as well as minnesotanativenews.org. And if there's someone you'd like to hear us catch up with, please send us an email at nativelights at ampers.org or find Minnesota Native News on Facebook or Instagram. Giga Wobbaman. Giga Wobbaman.